This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. All right, welcome everyone. We're going to start and it's the top of the hour. Thank you for joining us at HCJ.tax for yet another live stream talking about our favorite topic, taxation. Yippee. Yeah. <laughs> so with us this evening, we have the, the pleasure of Ricky Gutierrez-Becker, who's been uh, hosting with us before talking about Spain taxation. So please bear in mind that this is being recorded. So again, if you do not want your image to be recorded, just keep your camera switched off. In addition to which we are tax consultants, but we are not yet your tax consultants, which means that please don't take anything we say here as advice. This is not legally binding advice. If you want advice to your specific situation that you need to act upon, then you'd need to legally engage someone. So treat this more as an education piece or if you like entertainment. But the, I just want to repeat that nothing we say here is legally binding. Nothing we say here is, should be construed as encouraging you to pay less than your fair share of tax in any jurisdiction. Okay, good disclaimer. So without further ado, I hand over to Ricky. Ricky, over to you. Yeah, hi, uh, my name is Ricky. Uh, I'm from from Barcelona, Spain, uh, from a, um, a tax and, and law firm here in, in Barcelona, Spain. Um, and basically I'm going to be talking about uh, Spanish taxes for, for expats. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce a little bit of our firm. We are, uh, as I mentioned before, we are a tax firm located in, in Barcelona, Spain. We, we are mainly focused on, on international clients, but we also do uh, Spanish taxes, of course. Uh, we are on the side of the, well, we are on the tax side. Also, we take care of accounting. And we also do law. So we are involved on uh, a lot of um, material. So first of all, uh, this um, taxes in Spain are, are a bit complex because you have to, to differentiate. It's kind of like in the US that you have state and, and region tax. Uh, you don't pay the same taxes if you are located, for example, in Madrid or in Catalonia. Um, also, we have um, three, three states, three comuni comunidades autónomas, which are Navarra and País Vasco. Uh, they do have, um, let's say, some special taxes. They, they tend to have lower taxes than in the other regions of, of Spain. Uh, the Spanish tax year runs from, from January to December, unlike from other jurisdictions, like such as the, the UK, that it goes from, from July to, to June. In Spain, we, we have uh, a lot of double taxation treaties, which is benefit, very beneficial for us to, to avoid double taxation. 
And in our case, the, the most important uh, taxes for individuals are the income tax return and the wealth tax. One of the most important things uh, at the beginning is to know if uh, I'm tax resident in Spain, where, where do I have to pay my taxes? Well, there are three, three rules that you have to follow to see if you are tax resident in Spain or, or not. First, we have the substantial present test, uh, which is very, very simple. If you spend more than 180 days in, in Spain within a single calendar year, uh, that means that you that you're tax resident in Spain. The second rule are your center of economic interest, uh, which is your if your primary and professional activities are conducted in Spain. And the, the third rule is the presumption test. Uh, this test, it's uh, whether your main interests are in Spain, let's say that you have uh, children and family and they are living in Spain and they depend on you, that might uh, apply a rule that saying that you are, uh, that you are resident in Spain. We have to, it is very important to know that we have a, a rule which is called the quarantine rule. Uh, before always before we recommend before moving to before moving to to another jurisdiction we recommend to do some tax planning because for example if you move to a tax even jurisdiction uh, the Spanish government will you will still be considered Spanish tax resident for the year that you move and the for following years. Of course, um, to, to know if you are a resident or, or not, we, we can always go to the OECD model convention and we can also see uh, if we apply some of the, of the rules of the OECD model convention, because maybe we are in between two jurisdictions and always the, the model will, will tell us we, in which jurisdiction we are we are we're tax residents. The, the income tax. Well, Spanish tax residents, uh, they, pay, they pay income tax on their worldwide income, while non-residents, they only, they only pay tax on the income generated in Spain. The Spanish tax residents, they can get deductions of the, of the expenses they have in the, during the, the year, while non-residents, they cannot apply the, those deductions. The percentage for tax residents, uh, for non-tax residents in Spain, it's 19% if you are in the EU, in the, in the EU and 24% if you are uh, the rest of the world. You have to know that dividends, capital gains, and interest will always be taxed on 19%, whether you are EU or non-EU, and royalty income uh, can either be taxed at 19 if you are EU, and 24 if you are from outside of the, of the EU. The, the, the Spanish income tax is separated in, in two categories. You have the, the general income and the savings income. 
as mentioned before, there are regions like Navarra and the Basque Country that they have special regimes. And one of the things that people should know is that Spain, the income tax can go up to 54%. 54% should be the highest. Uh, the highest percentage is in, in Catalonia. In the region of Catalonia, it's where you pay the, the highest income tax. Uh, in Madrid, it's around 52%, but it also depends on the, on the incomes you, you earn. First, we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit deeper on one of the sides of the of the income tax, uh, the savings part. Um, inside of this part, we have all the interest that people have from from savings, dividend payments, incomes from life assurance policies, incomes from annuities, and gains made from the disposal of other assets. Since 2016, the the rates on the savings part go as follows, uh, income up to 6,000, it's 19%, from 6,000 to 50, it's 21%, and income over 50,000, it's 23%. The general part, it's income from employment, pensions, uh, income from rent, and the percentage goes uh, as follows. As mentioned before, in the in the Spanish income tax, you can have uh, personal allowances and deductions. Uh, only tax residents uh, can apply those those deductions. If you are not tax resident, you will have to file another form, which is called the form two ten. Uh, some of the allowances are for people that are over sixty five. Uh, people that have children living with them, they can apply for, for some allowances and deductions. Um, if you mm, donate to charity, you can apply for some deductions. Uh, there are several types of deductions that you, that you can apply. Well, here we enter another, another big uh, tax in, in Spain. Here, when you file your, your income tax, you file both the income tax and the, and the wealth tax. The wealth tax is basically designated for people who the, that hold significant worldwide wealth. So very wealthy people are the people that are gonna be uh, submitting this tax. In, in Spain, uh, all the assets uh, after a tax allowance, you have to declare all the assets after a tax allowance of 700,000 euros. Uh, I mean, as you can see, the, the amount is pretty high. For example, in Catalonia, the tax allowance is lower. It's uh, 500,000, which is a little bit unfortunate. But for your primary residence, uh, people, they, they do have um, an additional 300,000 tax allowance. I mean, all these, uh, all, all these, um, these amounts are the sum of all the, of all the wealth that you, that you, that you own and all, all the properties. It's not just for one property. You have this, it's for all. So if all the, the properties that you, that you own are over 700,000, you will, you will be required to, to file this, this tax. 
well, this tax rate, it goes from, from 0.2% to 2.5%. And something uh, that people should know is that in Madrid, there is no wealth tax. But the, the current government, they are, they are trying to change that. Uh, and they are trying to, to apply wealth tax in, in Madrid. This tax is a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of controversy because some of the the politicians here they want to they want to ban this tax. They want to 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 take it out. But some of of the other uh, political parties they want to to implement it. They they want to keep it. Well, uh, now here it comes a, a form. Uh, that is uh, very important. It's called Form 720. Uh, it's an overview of the individual's worldwide assets. It's a form that is for people that, he, that they are from, the out, from outside Spain and they, they become tax resident here in Spain. The year that they become uh, tax residents during January, and um, in April, they have to file this form. Uh, as mentioned, it's an overview of the individual's worldwide assets. And here you have to declare uh, all the assets that you have that are worth more than 50,000 euros. I mean, here you don't pay anything. You just need to declare and state which are the assets that you have that are above 50,000 euros. For example, if you have a bank account that it's and you have more than 50,000 euros, you would have to declare that. A lot of people uh, that come here to, to live and retire, they, they don't know that they have to file this form and you can incur really high penalties if you, if you don't file this form. Now we have property tax. Uh, owning a property uh, here in Spain, you you will be subject to to some community uh, taxes such as the IBI, which is the Impuesto de Bienes Inmuebles. These taxes are not government taxes; are are taxes from from each state. Uh, it depends on the whether you're in one city or whether you're in another city. You you will be taxed uh, differently. The, this tax, the EB, applies to both residents and non-residents. Uh, you also have rubbish collection tax. And of course, when, when selling a property, you, you have transfer tax. Capital gains. Uh, as mentioned before, for non-residents, capital gains tax here, it's pretty straightforward because you have a flat rate of 19%, while for tax residents, uh, you start at 19% for the first 6,000 of profit, and it goes upward to 23%, depending on the, on the profit that you, that you earn. Corporate income tax. Uh, in Spain, nowadays, the corporate income tax, it's 25%. The, there has been some rumors, they were trying to increase it to 30%. Uh, but at the moment it's 25%. Newly formed companies, they pay 15% for the first two years. And the tax year goes from, from January to December. Uh, of course, you can, 
you can you have the chance to to change that if you want and the the income tax it's due july 25th of the following year so now we are in the in the income tax season so it's a pretty 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 busy season inheritance and and gift tax uh this is a a tax that is a, a bit complex because it depends on on each subject uh, and on each case. Individuals are subject to tax when transmitting or gifting assets. Tax residents, of course, they are taxed on the on the worldwide assets. So, if you are taxed within Spain and you are giving a property that is outside Spain, that might be probably that might be taxed in Spain. Uh, Non-residents, they only pay for the, they are only taxed for the assets that they have here in Spain. And of course, there are some deductions and reductions based on the degree of kinship. Now we come to, to a special tax regime for, for foreigners, which is very known, which is the, the Beckham law. This law it enables foreigners that they that they want to to move to Spain that instead of becoming tax residents they they kind of become non-tax residents but they 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 just pay a flat fee of twenty four percent instead of going to uh, progressive tax on their worldwide incomes then nineteen percent to maybe to fifty four percent. The, the flat rate, it's up to an amount of 600,000 uh, and 45% over 600,000. I mean, this, this law used to use, was used a lot by, by a lot of athletes, but when they, when they changed the, the amounts, uh, I mean, a lot of people stopped using it. The, you can apply for this law the first six years you are in the country. And there are some requirements. For example, the, the expat can have been resident in Spain during the past 10 years. The foreigner must have a job contract and this job contract needs to be signed by a Spanish company. Uh, if it's a director that comes here, the, the director can possess more than 24% of the company. And of course, the core of the, of the business and the professional activities must be in Spain. And that's about it. If you have any questions, I'll be more than glad to answer them. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Ricky. Appreciate it. So please, uh, as Ricky has said, and as Hannah has typed in the chat box below, if you have any questions, feel free to type them in the box below. Some of you did email your questions ahead. Thank you very much for doing so. And we'll now go through them in the order in which we receive them. So for those who are watching outside of Zoom, uh, well, for those in Zoom, we've typed them in the chat box. If you came in early, you may be able to see it. Otherwise, we'll just read them out. So the first question is, I'm an American living in Spain. I will move back to the States for two years for work, then come back to live in Spain, hopefully forever, forever in quotes. From a, a strategy perspective, when it comes to investing for retirement, et cetera, would your recommendation be to invest here in Spain or invest in the US knowing that long-term I will need the money here in Spain? I believe there will be tax implication in both situations. Uh, Ricky, comments? 
Well, I mean, basically, it, it depends on on the on the situation. I mean, uh, if for sure you're gonna be returning in Spain, uh, I guess I, I would recommend having having or doing the investment here in Spain. But it also depends on whether you're going to invest in, I don't know, in, depending on the investment that you make, because maybe, for example, it is, uh, maybe the investment is not taxed in the US and it's taxed here in Spain. Uh, I guess it, it depends on the, on the situation. For that, uh, I think I mentioned it during the webinar, we, before doing anything normally or transferring to, to other jurisdictions and then transferring back, we we recommend uh, our clients to to sit with us and do a little bit of tax planning, so so we can plan everything before before making any movements and we can have everything under control. I mean that's my recommendation. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. It really depends on on the nature of the person, what their appetite is for risk, etc. etc. Yeah. What their situation is. Uh, and we, unfortunately, I know you provided a lot, but it's really not enough to make a determination. So as yeah. Ricky says, you're probably gonna need to sit with your preferred financial and or tax professional and talk through what your what your objectives are in terms of financial planning, uh, retirement, yeah, I mean, whatever, yeah. Yeah, because for example, I mean, if he, if this person is wishing to, to buy a property, of course, I would say buy it in Spain because you can use it as your primary residence. Yeah. Uh, you can have may maybe you can have some deductions uh, from that. Depends, of course, it depends on the on the investment and the and the financial situation and everything. I mean, we we try to. There's it's not like mathematics like two plus two is four. It's each case is different uh, and. Of course, we need to study first before giving a, a perfect answer. Absolutely. Moving on to question two. If you become a legal Spanish tax resident in 2021, would you have to file 2020 or 2021 for the Spanish tax year, Ricky? Uh, no, I mean, you, if you become tax resident in 2021, of course, mm -hmm. you will file taxes for, for the 2021 and you will have to submit them in 2022. Uh, the, the income tax in Spain, it's due the 25th of June uh, of the following year that, you're, that you've been tax resident. So in that case would be in 2021, 25th of June, you will have to submit your, your taxes. Okay, perfect. That was relatively straightforward. Uh, question three i've been in spain for almost five years now and never filed taxes but the person is unclear whether they didn't file taxes in spain or the u.s but anyway because i had no taxable income and no w-2s to present is that illegal furthermore the irs owes me two stimulus checks that seem to have got lost in the mail could you tell me what i legally have to do if your service could help me thank you very much uh do you want to comment on that first ricky uh i the, a lot of people that, that come to us they 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 haven't filed um that they haven't filed taxes i mean if you haven't if you're tax spanish tax president no well of course you are required to file taxes but in that case 
we would if you haven't had any any incomes coming from Spain uh, and depending on the incomes that you've had in the US maybe mm -hmm. some of, some of those incomes are exempt in Spain uh, maybe for that case you are not required to file taxes in Spain we would need to know which incomes are we talking about uh, if we are talking about pensions we have to differentiate between public pensions and private pensions public pensions in our case, they are not taxed in Spain. Uh, they are only taxed in the US. But private pensions, they are taxed in Spain. So it, it depends on the on the incomes. But maybe there there were, it was right that you didn't have to file file taxes in Spain. I mean, it depends on the on the incomes and and everything. Uh, one hundred percent agree with that, and it, I believe the same would apply with the U.S. Because the the, the person who's asking the question says that I had no taxable income, so it'll be we'll be curious to understand what type of income they received that they deemed as not taxable. Yeah. Because uh, with the, with the U.S., I mean, it depends on their filing status as well. If they are, for example, married filing separately, mm -hmm. the threshold is actually five dollars. So yeah. if they made more than five dollars, a tax return is due. So, you know, if, but if they got zero, they got no income, then maybe they got, yeah. they got a gift. And if they got a gift, yeah. that a gift return might be due. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'd really need to take a deeper dive to understand, well, how have they been yeah. living? And therefore, what was the source of the money that they're using to survive? And indeed, if it is really not taxable. So, That's so yeah. Correct. Okay. Moving on to question four. <laughs> I think this is more of a political statement than a question, yeah. but you know, out of fairness, I'm still going to read it. Uh, why should digital nomads pay tax? They don't have the same benefits as country residents. Another scam tax scheme to bleed people dry. Well, you know, for those who don't uh, aren't familiar with the term, digital nomad would be someone who is more or less location independent and they're traveling around. So they, they consider themselves not to be resident in any one place. So anyway, so uh, our, well, my perspective has been, and I think I've mentioned it on other live streams that one needs to consider not just taxation, but also banking. So while, you know, while, well, this person cannot be a US person because if they were a US person as in the US citizen, or green card holder, so permanent resident of the US, then they should know that they are subject to taxes on their worldwide income, regardless of where they reside. So from uh, an IRS perspective, the IRS sees very little difference between Madrid and Miami. They, the IRS expects a return regardless. But let's assume that they're not a US person, so they're not subject to citizenship-based taxation, as, as, as they put it then one would need to consider banking. So even though they may be moving frequently, so they're not deemed to be tax resident anywhere, they're, they're presumably earning money unless they live off a trust fund, which is another conversation. But let's say that they're earning income in some way, shape or form. If it is that it's not being taxed anywhere, uh, unless they're keeping it in cash, it's probably going into a bank account. And at any point in time, that bank reserves the right to question how is this money being earned now anyone can show invoices because give anyone five minutes of microsoft excel they're going to find invoices right but one thing so some banks may accept it some banks may not but one thing that all banks respect 
would be a tax return because it's a government document and it evidences that this money has been legitimately earned and you signed it under some sort of penalty of perjury. And therefore the bank feels a measure of comfort. So to the person who wrote this, uh, I, you know, an, I would just uh, respectfully suggest that they consider the banking implications because we have had clients that were digital nomads and they're traveling around, they earn money and they banked it in, uh, let's say an emerging market jurisdiction. So not Europe, not North America. And at some point in time, they wanted to return to the developed world and they found themselves locked out, even though they had their citizen of a given European country example or Canada or whatever they were unable to remit the funds because they couldn't prove that they were legitimately earned and, and these we've seen it on several occasions so I'll leave that then I'll move on to question five hello how are you we're fine thank you here's some questions for the seminar I own rental properties in an entity that pays me a salary what would be the tax rate on my for my w2 or 1099 income or would the tax be based on the income of the entity? If I sell the property while living in Spain, I understand the gain would be tax. Is that correct? If my income is around 100K, am I really taxed at 45%? Uh, Ricky, you know, tackle it first. Well, I mean, regarding the, the sale of the property, uh, if you are taxed in Spain, you are taxed on your worldwide incomes. Uh, I mean, even if the if the property is outside Spain, uh, if you have a gain on that property, you will be taxed on that. And, and of course, yeah, if your income is around thousand, uh, hundred thousand euros, yeah, it, it's totally correct that it can be forty five percent or even more, depending on the on the region that you are. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, it can go even high to to fifty four percent. So. Okay, so I'll comment on the first part of the question. So first of all, we'll need to know how, you know, you said that you hold your rental properties in an entity, what type of entity, right? If it's an LLC, then it's from a tax perspective, transparent. So if it's a single member LLC, it's going to be on your schedule C. If it is, uh, uh, if it's a multiple member uh, LLC, then it's treated as a partnership. So you get, you're going to get a K1. And the K1 will feed into your Schedule E. So it'll be on your, on your personal return. Whereas if it's a C-Corp or a corporation, perhaps in another jurisdiction, then it files its own tax return. And either you take the money out, uh, as you said, as a salary, or you have the option of pulling it out as, as a dividend. So I mentioned that because some people say that they get a salary from an LLC of which they're a member. Technically, the LLC can't give you a salary if you're a member, it gives you a distribution. And that distribution is reflected in your personal tax return, as I mentioned, in addition to which it may expose you to self-employment tax, which is additional. So in addition to your uh, income tax at whatever your marginal tax rate would be, you'd be paying the 15.3% self-employment tax, right? So, it, so to answer your question, it really depends on the structure. So we, we, we need to understand the details of the structure inside out in order to you know, give an opinion as to how it's going to be taxed. And Ricky answered the latter part, which will be the consequences in Spain. So I hope that helps. Uh, if not, you, you know how to find us. 
moving on to question six, scrolling down. I've been living in Spain for, for years and have not filing US returns. Uh, would I qualify for a streamline? Now, for those who are not familiar with streamline, uh, I'll, I'll explain a bit of context to this question. When someone is outside of the US and they have not been 100% compliant with their US tax responsibilities, there are a number of options, but generally speaking, there are three. There's, well, there's do nothing and just go forward. There's streamline and there's a voluntary disclosure, right? We never advocate uh, do nothing or just go forward because the IRS themselves have made it clear that they don't like it. And they are on the lookout for returns that just pop out of nowhere and there's no history. And, you know, so they will, they will pick on you, they will find you. And if you did not elect something like Streamline, you open yourself to the full weight of penalties and interest. And penalties are both civil and criminal. So no, uh, no tax professional, at least in our ecosystem, would ever recommend that. So we, we put that to one side. So the difference between Streamlined and the Voluntary Disclosure Program, it hinges on the concept of willfulness. Now, the US is not a civil law jurisdiction like Spain, it's a common law jurisdiction, which means that in addition to the letter of the law, the tax code, we need to pay attention to case law. So case law is super important in order to do uh, US taxes. So they, I say that because the distinction between a candidate for streamlined and a candidate for the voluntary disclosure program, it used to be an, an OVDP, offshore voluntary disclosure program. Now it's just a disclosure program under the way it was previously the IRS manual. But anyway, the difference between the two lies around the legal concept of willfulness. Now, willfulness, the, the definition that we've derived from, from case law, uh, particularly a, a case called Cheek versus the United States, I think that's like the pivotal case that you would see tax professionals citing in trying to explain or understand for themselves the definition of willfulness. So willfulness is, is defined as a, a voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty. An intent, a voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty. So what does that mean in, in reality? It, it means typically someone has made or taken decisive steps to conceal their income. So evidence of that that we would look for would be like, for example, numbered accounts, hold mail addresses, uh, using nominee structures. So they evidence some level of sophistication and there was intent to uh, evade or, yeah, basically evade paying taxes, right? So, uh, you know, this is a very general, very high level uh, discussion right now. You'd need to take a deeper dive with your chosen tax professional. But essentially, someone who qualifies for Streamline has been non-willful in their non-compliance. So their non-compliance uh, doesn't have that evidence of, of that intent uh, that, and that intent substantiated by that evidence. So, so that's, that's, what, that's what we're talking about. So in other words, to answer your question, we need to understand the facts and circumstances of your case. We need to see the fact pattern. And if it is that you have been uh, non-willful in your non-compliance, then definitely we would agree that Streamline is right for you. 
everyone prefers streamline because you avoid penalties and the penalties can be pretty aggressive, right? So you pay interest on any taxes due, but you avoid penalties, which makes it attractive. So the look back period is three years. So you do three years, which GDIT has already passed. So even though you haven't filed a return for five or 10 years, the IRS just wants to see the last three years and six years for FBARs, foreign bank account reports. And there's a statement that is involved and it's all packaged and sent in. So to answer your question, do you qualify? It really depends on your facts and circumstances and whether you can be considered to be non-willful in your non-compliance. Hope that helps. You need to speak to a professional, please. I, I really recommend it. Moving on to number seven. This is a, a lengthy explanation, but a, I will read it in full. I'm a dual citizen, US and Finland, living in Spain and self-employed, self-employed by an American Chinese company. I'm curious to know the best way to file taxes in the US so as not to owe more money than I've already paid in Spain. I pay taxes here in Spain and I know there's a document available to download application for tax residence, uh, tax certificate, uh, solicitude, uh, my Spanish is awful, right? De un certificado tributario de residencia fiscal. That should lay out that information for the IRS. Okay, so in terms of US yeah, tax. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sorry to basically. No, no, Correct me. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a certificate that sta is stating that you're tax resident in Spain. Just, okay. just that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in terms of the best way to file taxes in the U.S. so that you don't owe more money than you've already paid in Spain, most people, I know it really, really depends, but most people who are filing and they're paying taxes in the worldwide income in Spain don't owe taxes to the US because of the two jurisdictions, Spain tends to be higher as, as Ricky pointed out, they go up, Spain goes up to 54%, the US tops off at 37% in terms of individual income tax. So it does happen, but it's unusual that after filing your full Spain tax return, you're gonna owe it to the US. But if you do uh, remember that there are also foreign tax, I mean, aside from the foreign tax credits, there are treaty positions that we can take depending on the nature of the income. As to your document, uh, that your tax resident, so you know, you're claiming that your center of life is, is really Spain and you have no connection at all to the US and therefore you, you're invoking, I guess, a treaty position, not to file any taxes with the IRS. It is possible, but you know, we'd need to, you need to sit with a tax professional and make sure that you understand the, the clauses in the treaty that uh, allow someone to take such a position and whether it's in your interest to do so. So it is, so first of all, my first response is you can file a tax return but, uh, and it is unlikely that you're going to owe anything because of Spain being a higher marginal tax rate. If it is, you do decide to take a treaty position, uh, you should seek advice before doing so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, here to, to add something, normally in these cases, um, you would file taxes first in, in the US since you, because of your nationality. Uh, and then if you pay something there in the US, you will apply the the double taxation treaty while you file your taxes in Spain and you will be able to deduct 
well, normally you will be able to to deduct what you paid in the in the U.S. In this case, you don't pay twice uh, yeah. for for the incomes that you received. Yeah, you know, th you know, thanks, thanks, uh, Ricky. You know that that's an important point. You, I mean, people get nervous about that—the idea of being double taxed. It's rare. Once you have a tax team that knows what you what they're doing, it's very rare to be taxed twice. It it it, it does happen under extraordinary circumstances, but typically, no, it does not. So it's nothing to worry about. Once the person knows what they're doing, how to apply the foreign tax credits, and how to invoke the treaty when necessary. Okay. Moving on, next question. How do I go? Okay, me too. Okay, oh, right. This is a person, the same person continuing on the question. How do I go about that for come 2021 tax season? Uh, which I guess, I guess they're thinking in 2022 when they have to do the 2021 returns. Uh, I, I think we've kind of answered that, Ricky. Uh, you know, um you you file i mean you can you can file both it's unlikely you're going to be paying taxes uh mm -hmm. you're not going to be double taxed because we yeah. have both foreign tax credits and we can invoke the treaty when necessary or if you want to take a treaty position that you uh you know you have your center of life in one place and you don't want to file a return elsewhere and you want to get that certificate you can do you can apply for it it's an application yeah. process and you should want to, you would want to sit with a tax professional to, to make that application so yeah i mean he, here the 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 certificate um mm -hmm. the, the thing is that people need to understand that mm -hmm. here in spain you are taxed based on your tax residency mm -hmm. while in the us i mean of course you're taxed based on residency but you are taxed based on your nationality that's uh, a lot of people don't understand why do i have to file taxes in both places yeah. Is the U.S. It's a bit special uh, with that, and, and U.S. nationals have to file taxes because of your nationality. That's mm -hmm. I think it's the only country that does that. I'm yeah, uh, the, the the U.S. shares that unique distinction with Eritrea, <laughs> a country in the Horn of Africa, right? So two yeah. countries in the world, right? Hey, go figure. Okay. So I'm scrolling down. Uh, okay, and we have a question from uh, Cassiano. I'm a non. I'm, I'm an American. Sorry, I'm an American living here on a non-lucrative visa. All of my income is in the U.S. I've just realized that I have spent two years here as a tax resident and did not know that I had to file. So I'm guessing did not know you had to file in Spain. Will yeah. I face severe penalties? What should I do, Ricky? Well, I mean, yeah, later he said that he filed taxes in, in the US. I mean, oh. it's, it's similar to, to what we mentioned before. Um, of course, if you are, well, we, we had a lot of uh, some cases here that people that come uh, with the non-lucrative visa, they think that, okay, I'm on the non-lucrative visa. I don't have to pay taxes in Spain. Yeah. That's no problem. Uh, no, something it's the visa and the other thing is a tax residency. And as I mentioned before, if you are more than 183 days in Spain, you become tax resident. Um, based on that, you, of course, you would have to pay uh, taxes on your worldwide incomes. 
you mentioned that you don't have any income from Spain. That's definitely fine. But we would have to check if the incomes that you've been receiving from the from the US, if they are tax taxable in Spain or not. Uh, as I mentioned, if they are not taxable in Spain, then you are completely fine. <laughs> you don't you don't have to pay taxes. But uh, yeah, it depends on the on the incomes that you that you have in particular. Okay, that is great. Uh, so sorry, what about the the latter part of the question? Will will this person face like severe penalties? Uh, I mean, for not filing the 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 income tax, uh, it will depend on the on the income that he didn't that he didn't declare. Uh, mm, normally, uh, I think it can go up to twenty percent of what you owe to the the um, what you owed to the to the Spanish government. Uh, but we would have to check that. Mm, but um, I mean, of course, if the if the the income did you didn't declare it's very high. I mean, the percentage if it's twenty percent of what you didn't pay uh, should be pretty high. It it depends. Yeah, so it, it can add up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, all the other things that we that we that we recommend. I mean. Mm, nowadays, the the Spanish government they they can and for sure other governments as well um, they they can know uh, almost almost everything because they check bank accounts they they check everything. But in some cases, I mean, depending on uh, on what they on what they owe and all the stuff, if if the there's a lot of tax, Spanish tax residents, and the government cannot know everything. Uh, in some cases, it's better just to not file and file the next year as if you were tax resident. But of course, it depends on, on each case and if it's really complex or, or not. But yeah, we would have to study, of course, the, the situation and, and make a decision before doing anything. Okay. Perfect. Uh, I hope that helps you make your decision. So given the high, you know, the high interest and penalties or whatever, it's best that they move pretty quickly. Okay. Next question. A U.S. Oh, well, we always get this question when we do uh, uh, webinars. A U.S. citizen who's resident in Spain received retirement income from an individual retirement account and a non-government pension plan back in the U.S. Are there any tax treaty benefits regarding the retirement income? Ricky, do you want to handle that one too? Well, as I mentioned, the, the, the incomes that are basically exempt in, in the US, I mean, we, of course, we would have to, to check that, uh, but our public pensions. When we, when, we, when we talk about public pensions, our pensions that are given by the government, so if you've been a government official, all the pensions that you received are public pensions. If mm -hmm. the pensions come from the pri private sector, uh, they will be taxed. Um, so it's, it depends on that. Uh, if, it, if it's not a public pension, you will be taxed in Spain for sure. 
Yeah, so we we did we we get as you know as I kind of intimated we get this question all the time so much so that uh, you know I, I actually drafted with with Ricky's help uh, like a paper and we have it on HUG.tax, which kind of goes into detail uh, on everything that Ricky just said. But it, essentially, yes, it may be taxed, but there are uh, to to your to the question as you have written it. Yes, you may be able to claim some tax treaty benefits, but it becomes a bit involved. So in other words, you'd have to pay the taxes to Spain because it's owed to Spain, but you would be able to resource the income uh, using certain forms, Form 1116 or, or whatever on, on your US tax return in order so that you can get the uh, foreign tax credits and apply it to, to reduce your, your overall income. Uh, so so to answer your question, yes, it may be subject to tax, but yes, at the same time, we can invoke the treaty to work in your favor, to reduce your overall your tax burden. So have a look at the, the paper that we have in HEJ.tax, and you can reach out to us if you have any further questions on that, because it is pretty complicated, and it's perhaps the most frequent question we get asked. Okay. Yeah, and I think with this we we kind of solved the the last question, which is the okay. is social security considered a public pension and therefore shouldn't be taxed in Spain. Uh, it depends on whether it comes from from the government or it comes from uh, the private sector. Uh, yeah. If it comes from the private sector, then no, it's not considered a public pension and it is taxed in Spain. Uh, I mean, we had a, a case uh, in in our office. Uh, this person, he only received income from from the U.S. and he was a pension from the government, and he was uh, he also received social security from from that uh, that pension. Uh, he was a, a U.S. official, and because of that, he didn't have to file. He wasn't required to file taxes in Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we have to distinguish if it's public or or private, and from that we would decide. Yeah. yeah. You have to it is taxable or, or not. Yeah, and that's an important point that the Spain has a very specific definition of what a pension is, that may not necessarily accord with what uh, the U.S. defines as a pension. So yeah, mm -hmm. it, it is it is very nuanced. Is 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 a, is a key point to take away. Okay, next next question. Uh, I missed the beginning of the session. I'm a U.S. citizen based in Catalonia for twenty years. I file returns in both countries with separate tax advisors. How do you work? How do you work to do financial tax planning to optimize for two tax systems? Uh, well, you know, as as we just explained, uh, you know, in answering the, the previous questions, it, it can be done by two separate teams. But as long as both teams understand the principle of foreign tax credits, and where necessary to where necessary, how to invoke the double tax treaty and the totalization agreement between the US and Spain, it can be done. It's just easier when it's done by one team because the lines of communication are clear. And especially when that one team is familiar with international tax issues, as opposed to purely domestic taxes. When you, when you do purely domestic taxes, you just don't necessarily have to get into stuff like tax credits and, and treaty positions as a normal course of your business. So yeah, Ricky, any comments? Uh, I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, of course, uh, if you're working with uh, 
with two different teams. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend that they are kind of on, on the same page, that they mm-hmm. try at least to know. Um, of course, one is going to be more focused on the Spanish side and the other one, you know, on the U.S. side. But it would be great if uh, both of them, they knew a little bit of the, of the other jurisdiction. So when you send them the U.S. return or the Spanish tax return, they they understand a little bit of what they are what they are looking at and yeah i would recommend yeah, that they are both on the same page and they understand how to of course apply the the double taxation treaties and the tax credits okay next question sorry one more question if i'm self employed here in spain and paying quarterly income tax wouldn't it be better to file the yearly tax return first in spain and then submit that to the U.S. question. Uh, do you want to comment, Ricky? Uh, I mean, I guess uh, she's talking about the withholdings uh, here in in Spain. I am during the during the fiscal year. Uh, you have quarterly withholdings. Mm-hmm. These withholdings um, are deducted from the from the income tax at the at the end of the year. Um, I mean, it is, it is how it is. There's some people that they that they filed. Um, it's called the Form Zero Thirty Six. They say that they don't want to, or that they are not required to to file the form. It's called Hundred and Thirty for individuals, mm-hmm. uh, and they just file uh, the they just want the income tax return at the at the end of the year. But normally, and also for for businesses and companies, uh, they pay quarterly withholdings. I mean, it mm-hmm. it is normal, and I think in other jurisdictions in the in, in Europe, they also pay assessments. So exactly. So you know, I I, I was going to say that as well. So one hundred percent agree. It's subject to withholding, so there's no reason to delay starting either of them. Yeah. So you can, you know, once the year turns in the beginning of the new calendar year, I normally advise clients, let's get to work, you know, don't delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can do every single form on the U.S. return except the 1116, just with your income and your other deductions. So if it is that, you know, anything is missing, uh, any final payment you may have had to make to Spain, it's just one number on one part of one form. And you just plug that in and you're good to go. So to answer your question, I, I suggest starting both concurrently. And especially yeah. if you're able to withhold, you can finish both at the same time. Hmm. Okay, next question. I'm in, um, yeah, okay, you're welcome. I'm in the process to become a dual citizen, uh, Spain, US, but my husband will still only be a US citizen. In the past, we have filed everything as joint, would it be best to file separately based on the different status or should it not matter? Uh, I'm guessing you're talking about, I'll comment on the U.S. side first. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to be dual, the, the U.S. tax code has certain, takes certain positions. So you are rewarded. Uh, you get a slightly preferential tax treatment in terms of rates if it is you file jointly as opposed to separately. So all things being equals, you know, as they say in Latin, ceteris paribus, all things being equal, it is to your advantage to file jointly. 
and you're both US exposed. So unless there is some nuance in your situation, which of course you, you and tax advisor will know about, typically it's in a, in a married couple's best interest to, to file jointly. Uh, Ricky, you want to comment on Spain or jointly, separately? Uh, I mean, I guess in this case, it would depend if, whether they are resident in Spain or, or not, because yeah, if they are both resident in Spain, Normally, it is better to to file uh, taxes uh, jointly rather than than individual because maybe one of the one of the or either the husband or the wife they have a lower income and they can reduce the the taxes for for the other person. Normally, if you have the chance to to file it jointly, it is better to file to file it jointly. I mean, there was some some case. Um, uh, not long ago, uh, the, the 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 Spanish government they said that they, they in the um, in the new law that they wanted to to prohibit or or ban the the jointly the jointly income tax, uh, but then the the European Court they said no that's <laughs> that's no um, a lot of people they they stood up against that and they uh, they said that know that they couldn't do that and then the Spanish government uh, came out and they said that it was a mistake and they they did it by mistake so mm. I mean, it's something kind of crazy but yeah of course I would recommend doing it uh, filing it jointly rather than individually possible okay wonderful so once again the both the US and Spain tax codes yeah. agree with each other so on that note, thank you very much for, you, for your time, those of you who have logged in. And thank you, especially Ricky, for sharing your, your, your expertise and your vast knowledge on, on Spain tax for expats. Thank course, you for joining no us. Uh, and if you're on Zoom, you can see uh, Ricky's contact details down below. So feel free to reach out to him if you have any further questions or to, to us if, if you have any questions on, on the US side. Everything has been recorded and it'll be available on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your favorite podcast, you're going to find this recording as well as on our website, which is hud.tax. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Here are four ways we can help you. Number one, sign up for free webinars on U.S. Expat Texas and International Entrepreneur Texas at www.htj.tex. Number two, stream premium educational videos at www.htj.tex. Number three, contact us for tax optimization consult offer Zoom. Number four, high net worth. We can quote for doing your U.S. international taxes returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at htj.tax. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at htj.tax to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.